At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed away from Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you are not willing. See, your house is left to you. And I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The Gospel of Luke, the 13th chapter. When I read the scripture for this meditation, it's not a scripture I have never read before. It's a scripture that is familiar, particularly at this time of the year, because it's talking about Jesus on his journey to Jerusalem. The questions that came to mind are, have you ever been jealous of someone you've never met? Have you ever been jealous of someone you've never met? Because in this passage of scripture, Herod, the king, had never met Jesus, even though he knew all about Jesus since the visit of the wise men. You remember that was Herod's first encounter with Jesus Christ's name when the wise men came. So he's never met Jesus, yet King Herod was simply jealous of Jesus. When you read the passage, that comes to mind this time of the year. Jealousy. It is a mixture of emotions. A mixture of emotions that include anger, fear, grief, feelings of betrayal, and feeling jealous is pretty natural, but it drags you down every moment of the day. Jealousy, my friends, can drive a large wedge between you and your loved one and can cause you to be regrettably sorry for things you have done that you would not want to do otherwise. In psychology today, Irish writer, well, Irish writer because today is St. Patrick's Day, Irish writer Elizabeth Bowen wrote, and she says, jealousy is no more than feeling alone against smiling enemies. Jealousy is no more than feeling alone against smiling enemies. And this simple statement sets a perfect scene in our minds of what jealousy feels like. 
Others are happy, mocking, overtly joyful, or secretly mocking, while we are left alone to look like a fool. And so, because of anger, because of fear, because of grief, and feeling of betrayal, we become jealous. And a big part of, this, of the problem of jealousy lies within you, the individual, and not with the person you are jealous of. I mean, it's something personal. When you think about Herod and what he wanted to do with Jesus, it's something personal. The following are possible root causes for jealousy. Number one, lack of self-confidence. I mean, if you read the story of Herod, the king, since the wise men appeared on, on the stage, you can know that Herod lacked confidence, even though he was king. Lack of confidence resulting in your doubts that your abilities and your skills are not able to match probably the demands around you. If you were 100% sure of yourself and would have never suffered, you would have never suffered from jealousy. I mean, when you lack confidence, you start to find ways to mess things around. Poor self-image is another characteristic. If you believe you are not that handsome, and I can say if you believe you're not that handsome like the preacher, because my mom used to tell me that I'm good looking. And truly, truly speaking, I believe my mom 100%. <laughs> but if you believe you are not that handsome, then chances are you'll be experiencing feelings of jealousy whenever you meet someone who looks better than you. Fear. And this fear can be a fear of ending up alone, a fear of being rejected, or a fear of losing the love of your partner. Insecurity, a poor self-image, and lack of self-confidence can result in making you feel insecure about a relationship, and this can be a strong reason that can make you feel jealous. One of, and we all go through life feeling one of these or another some of the time. And I pray it is not all of the time because that will be damaging. And when you look at the passage of scripture, the discussion that was going on between Jesus and those who came to Jesus to inform Jesus about the thoughts of Herod the king. The Gospel of Luke, the 13th chapter. The first thing I see in verse 31 is a cautionary message. Because at the beginning of this passage, this is what the scripture says. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. What was the reason? Herod wants to kill you. 
a cautionary message. What could have been Herod's reasoning for trying to kill Jesus? We all know about Herod the Great, the one who was in power when Jesus was born and who slaughtered the innocent children after the wise men told him about Jesus Christ, the child. Herod, Antipas, was now on the throne. And the same jealousy that started when Jesus was born with Herod the Great is now with Herod Antipas, who was on the throne. Herod Antipas was an immoral puppet ruler of Rome, period. If you know your scriptures, he was an in, in, to have been afraid of Herod Antipas. And therefore, we have the Pharisees warning to Jesus to stay away from Herod Antipas. The Pharisees, with their cautionary memo to Jesus, they are no friends of Jesus. We all know that. The Pharisees were no friends of Jesus. But most likely, they were even less friendly to Herod Antipas. So they came with the warning, leave this place and go somewhere else because Herod wants to kill you. Jesus was in danger. In danger from Herod. And so he left the countryside. Not because he was afraid of Herod, but because the time had not yet come for him to fulfill his mission on earth. Can you imagine people who don't like you coming to you and say, somebody's planning to do harm to you? Because the Pharisees never liked Jesus. Apart from the cautionary message, we have a confident message in this passage. And the confident message you find in verse 32 and 33, where Jesus replied, go tell the, that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. No person can change the plans of God. And I, and I want us to understand that no person, no human being can change the plans of God. I want the church to say amen to that. Amen. No person can change the plans of God. Therefore, my friends, purposely overlooking the Pharisees, their real intent, Jesus said to them, go tell that fox that Jesus will carry out his mission according to the plans of God. And we go through issues every day in our lives. And some of them are man-made issues. I mean, we are United Methodists. We're going through 
a decision that is affecting a lot of us as United Methodists. But let me say again, my friends, no matter what the man-made decisions are, no person can change the plans of God. And when you talk about the church, when you talk about the church, the membership of the church, those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, God's plan is for us to be embracing people every day. God's plan is not for us to drive out people, amen? God's plan is for us to embrace people, empower people, evangelize people, and give them a chance to taste God's kingdom. No individual, no decision, no conference can change the plans of God. Jesus was not afraid of Herod. Go tell that fox that Jesus will carry out his mission according to the plans of God, unafraid. He would continue to preach and to heal. He will continue to do that until the time God set for him to end his earthly ministry. And I would say to us United Methodists, we should continue to be United Methodists because we cannot run away or we should not run away. We should continue to be United Methodists so that we can see what God's plans are for the future. Amen? Oh, Jesus gave a confident message after the cautionary message that came to him from the Pharisees. And the scripture ends up with a clear message in verses 34 and 35, where Jesus says to Jerusalem, you who killed the prophet and stoned those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together. As the children's message demonstrated this morning, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, says Jesus, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Herod Antipas, like Herod the Great, was afraid of Jesus. We all know that when we read the scripture. That Jesus would take their place as king. Herod Antipas knew the prophecies were true and that he didn't want to give up his throne in one word, my friends, you could say that King Herod was jealous of Jesus. We live in a world where there are family jealousy. There is jealousy among friends. There is jealousy in high and low places. And out of jealousy, my friends, many evil plans are put in place and if not careful, 
it can happen to any one of us. I mean, this was Jesus. If it happens to Jesus, it can happen to any one of us. Jealousy happens when the person feels that a relationship that is in, of importance to them is threatening by someone else out of the relationship. Hence, Herod's attempt to kill Jesus. Jesus was hailed as the new Messiah, as the new king. And Herod was afraid of Jesus. And rather than allow jealousy to infect your relationships, use its appearance as a reason to work out on yourself and to understand the fears that is driving it. Because at times, we want to work on the other person, we want to know that the person is okay, sometimes just, just stop it and just think about you. What is my contribution to this, to this situation, you know? Think about you. Sometimes don't think about the other person until you think about you, until you take care of yourself. Then you can take care of the other person. It's so easy to be jealous in the following. Just think about how the following situation can make a person feel jealous. Your classmate makes the football team, but you don't. Think about it. Your colleague gets the promotion at work instead of you. Your neighbor buys a bigger home. You can't. Your friend drives a nice car that you can't even afford. I mean, all these small things just eat on us and we become jealous. In the scripture in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, this is what the scripture says. Not that I speak from one, says Paul, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I have. I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. If you believe you are, you are where God wants you to be, and that's the key, if you believe you are where God wants you to be, if you believe you are who God wants you to be, where God wants you to be, who God wants you to be, if you believe you have what God wants you to have, all the gifts and graces, then you have no reason to ever be jealous of what someone else has, of who someone else is. You don't have any reason to be jealous. You know why? I believe that God wants me to be where I am. Amen? I believe that God has made me to be who I am today. And I believe that God is not against me. I have so much confidence in my God. I am here at COTC because this is where God wants me to be at this moment. 
I experience what I experience in life because I know my God is leading me. I think about me and my relationship with other people and try to make me better so that this relationship will be better. I don't think about the other person being better. I think about me being better to that person. Because I know if I'm better to that person, I'll be a good example for that person to be better to me. Amen? I am where God wants me to be. Biblical examples. Because most of these things that go on in our world and in our lives are not new, my friends. Biblical examples would include Joseph's brothers. If you read the story of Joseph and his brothers, his brothers were filled with jealousy. To the, to the extent that they tried to kill Joseph. And they finally did what God wanted Joseph to experience, sold Joseph into slavery. And at the end of the day, what happened? It was Joseph who provided food for them. Think about the Corinthian church. If you understand the church in Corinth, they had all the gifts that God would give them. But they were being jealous of one another's spiritual gift. Think about it, my friends. Think about Jacob's wife, Rachel. Think about King Saul being jealous of David, Jonathan's friend. And think about Herod Antipas, terrified of Jesus' presence. So there are biblical examples of jealousy. And I am convinced that the antidote to jealousy is contentment. To be satisfied with what you have, to be satisfied with who you are, and to be satisfied with where you are in life. Just be content. You are not going to be what God does not want you to be. Especially if you're a Christian and you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Just be content. And let God work it out for you. Let him do it for you, my friends. There's a story of a rich industrialist who would drive to work by a fisherman every day. And this fisherman was sitting lazily beside his boat. Just imagine it. The guy is driving lazily beside his fishing boat. He would wave to the fisherman. But the fisherman would barely acknowledge him. Finally, one day he pulled over to the side of the road and went over to the man and said, you barely speak to me. I bet it's because you're jealous of me. This is what the industrialist was saying to the fisherman. The fisherman said, oh no, I'm not jealous. I'm not jealous of you. 
I barely speak to you because I just have my mind on other things. The industrialist said, well, why aren't you out fishing all the time? The fisherman said, because I've caught enough fish for today. The man said, well, why don't you catch more fish than you need? The fisherman said, what would I do with them? The industrialist said, well, you could earn more money, buy a better boat, go deeper, and catch more fish. You could purchase better nets and catch even more fish, make more money, and soon you would have a, low, a whole fleet of boats like I do, and you will be rich like me and never even have to worry about being jealous. The fisherman looked at him and said, but I don't ever have a problem with being jealous. Besides that, if I did everything you said and wound up as rich as you are, then what would I do after that? The rich man said, well, then you could sit down and enjoy life. The fisherman looked at him and said, what do you think I have been doing every day? My friends, the fisherman was content. He was where God wants him to be. He was doing what God wants him to do. He knows that God was not against him. This morning, none of us are like Herod Antipas, being jealous of somebody else, wanting everything, thinking that it will bring us contentment. This morning, God is saying to each of us, as we go through the season of Lent, as Christians, there is no reason to be jealous of one another because we are all God's children and we each have unique gifts and graces. I mean, some people can sing on the praise band. Some people can read scripture. Some people can be ushers. And some people can only smile and greet you and you have a peace of mind, a satisfaction for that day. We each have our own gifts and graces. So rather than being jealous of another person's position or possessions, why not accept what God has done through their lives and work together for the common good of the church, for the common good of the family, and for the common good of self. If you believe in God this morning, my friends, try to understand that you are where God wants you to be. And the same God who guided Jesus throughout his earthly ministry 
is the same God guiding each one of us. And God is saying to you and to me this morning, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Do you believe in him this morning? Do you believe that when Jesus died, he died for you? Do you believe that your only way to heaven, now, I'm going to emphasize only, your only way to heaven is by believing in Jesus Christ. And I emphasize only because when I was in seminary, they taught us in our Christian education class about four ways you can go to heaven. Four ways you can go to heaven. I ain't telling you guys the four ways. But I, at that time, believed there is only one way. But when the professor gives you an assignment to write a paper about the four ways, you write a paper about the four ways. <laughs> but deep down in my heart, then and now, I believe there is only one way to heaven, and that is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe in him this morning? If you do, my friends, the angels in heaven are celebrating because of you. Let us go home or go to our Sunday school classes and let us remember that God is not against us. He gave his only begotten son to die for us. is not against you. During this season of Lent, pay attention, focus on him, and draw closer to him. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to this the people of God say, Amen. Amen.